I just remember as a kid, I always had to um, read letters for my parents and oh translate. Oh gosh, yeah. Translate All the everywhere time. or go ask for this, go ask for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But- I remember calling for those phone bills quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like your parents would just like hand you the phone, talk to them, and they're like, telling you something say this while you're on the phone with the representative and it's just oh my gosh or suddenly they're talking and they shove the phone at you yeah. oh listen what are they saying yeah tell me translate i'm like mom uh, or i'm on the phone right now i'm trying to talk to this person yeah. and you're like freaking like a third grader <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you really want to think about how an immigrant feels just Put your, throw yourself into a different country where you don't know anything about the culture. Turn off your technology. Yeah, you don't know the language and see what happens. And try to navigate the city. And now, and you're only there for a little bit, right? On a vacation. Imagine if you're trying to build your life <laughs> permanently there. Hi, welcome to the Magnetic Mismatch Show. This is Linda. And this is Will. And welcome back to another episode of our podcast. Yeah. We hope you guys are all having an amazing day so far whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, Our day's been going pretty well so far today. Yeah. Absolutely. This morning, we actually stumbled upon a garden. Um, The hours were between 11 to 2. And it was around three o'clock when we entered the garden, but there was nobody there. So we were just wandering around the garden for like 30 minutes. Well, we were driving around. Yeah. To like yeah, we stumbled on upon it by accident. Yeah. I, I thought it at first it was like it said private residence. So I thought it was somebody's house. Mm-hmm. And then we saw like a little sign outside that said hours 11 to 2. Yeah, and it was weird. It was like, um, like there's a, an entrance. A it's a end. it's a dead end. <laughs> it was so weird, and we decided to just you know enter this gate. Yeah. It could have been really bad. <laughs> they could have locked this in or something. But yeah, then we decided to get out of the car with our masks, mm-hmm. and then um, it was really nice. It was like a little small space, but it was cool because it had like fruit trees. It had a bunch of cool like plants and flowers and stuff. Yeah, little nice like um, sitting areas. And there was nobody there. Yeah, that was so nice. So that was the best part about it. So we could Beautiful just freely trees. explore. Yeah. And and I was telling you that, damn, I wish I knew more about plants. Like they would have a little sign of the name of the plant or the flower. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, I have no idea what that means, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Wow, that was about it. That was the depth of my knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a nice little uh, just spontaneous adventure. Yeah. And that's like, you take that any chance you get right now. <laughs> yeah. And we did a little curbside boba pickup. Of course. Of course. Of course. People are like, stop talking about your boba already, you addicts. You know? <laughs> I'm not an addict. I could stop anytime I want. Okay, guys. Right? You too. You know? Yeah. 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 We'll get it next week again. <laughs> you don't want to see us without our bobas. Let's put that. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, our coffee. Seriously. Um, but yes. Yeah, so our topic today mm-hmm. is actually a continuation of one of our most popular episodes um growing up with immigrant parents so this is going to be part two and if you haven't listened to the first part growing up with immigrant parents make sure you do check that out it's uh, episode four and in that episode i think we talked we focused more on our experience of 
um, what our parenting styles were or what our parents' parenting styles (laughs) were and, um, you know, kind of what it was like for for us being the kids of the immigrant parents, you know. Yeah, and there are some um, pretty hilarious stories on uh, dating and... Um, just like know, their strictness, of their like, strictness, and and just uh, the paths that they push us to. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, so check that episode out. Um, but this episode, we actually are going to be focusing on something a little bit different. Yeah. So in this episode, we're more focused on what it was like for us to and our family mm-hmm. um, to navigate life here in america yeah and and some of the things i think that we still face today as adults and Mm -hmm. some of the feelings that we have as offspring of immigrant parents or people immigrating to america Uh, because i think a lot of times you know it's hard to understand people that immigrate here you don't really know their perspective unless you're you've actually lived in those those shoes yeah right and i think it's different too uh, everyone has a different story of why um, they've immigrated to America, yeah. right? Because you have, you know, the the extra, you know, wealthy Asians. And no, not all Asians are um, crazy rich Asians. <laughs> uh, you have the the ones looking for more opportunities, um, and you have the ones that are refuge. They don't have anywhere to go. Maybe they're trying to escape war or, you know, the politics, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has a different story. So their yeah. beginning in a different country is going to be slightly different from each other. Yeah, I'm always I'm always fascinated by the immigrant story. You know, no matter what country people are coming from uh, into the U.S., it's very um entertaining but also like eye-opening to kind of hear well why why did someone decide to uproot their whole life to come to a different country where they don't even know the language in many cases yeah right what was the story behind it and what was the journey like because um you know if you if you've had the privilege to grow up here in this country you really don't know you know much beyond your little bubble right Mm -hmm. so that's what we wanted to share today maybe a little bit about um, our experiences, but also um, what we've learned, you know, through this process. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you want to start, I think, with this? Because it's a, it's a big one. It's a yeah, big topic a big to tackle. I, I think um, from my experience, um, if I start from, you know, when I first lived in this country. Because you came here when you were young. I was young. I was like yeah. three, four years old. Uh, oh, you I, were just a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think my mom opted out on me going to uh, preschool. Yeah. So I didn't start school uh, until kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, the only person that kind of spoke English in my family was my mom. Right. I mean, her English. Because she learned right here. No, like, she learned in Vietnam. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Because I think that was her second language. You okay. know, they have to pick a language. But um, so she knew some English, right? Yeah. It wasn't perfect English. But it got better because after work, um, she went to um, a community college and she took 
additional ESL classes mm-hmm. until um, she f- completed the the series to improve her English. But I just remembered uh, I started kindergarten. They placed me in ESL um, class because <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. You were in ESL? <laughs> yeah, it's, I was in ESL oh. because the school categorized you. So English as a second language for yeah. people that I don't know. It's a program that they have in school. Yeah, but it, it was pretty hilarious in the sense where if you didn't speak English, you were going to ESL class. Yeah. So within this ESL class, there were like 20 kids with 10 different languages. Oh, man. So, you know, and it, it's pretty funny because um, the teacher spoke only English. <laughs> <laughs> and they're teaching the kids how to speak other languages. Yeah. yeah. And they, so like, I, like I said, if you didn't speak English, you went to ESL. Mm-hmm. So they just lumped us all together. Yeah. And the teacher taught English in yeah. English. And uh, you were expected, you know, to pick up the language uh, immediately. But it's hard because. You, you don't even know what's going on. Like you you're just kind of like somebody's talking at you <laughs> and you you're, you don't even understand what they're saying. How are you supposed to assimilate, right? Yeah, and I used to get in trouble a lot for zoning out. <laughs> I'm zoning out <laughs> you're because... You're just staring out into the window, like, you know, you don't even know. Yeah, and the reason why I was zoning out was because I was bored. I have I didn't understand what well, was happening. Well, how can you get engaged, right? You don't even know what the teacher is talking about. It could be like they, they have the most exciting story that they're sharing with the kids. Yeah. But you don't, you can't comprehend it. So obviously, you're going to lose interest. Yeah. You know? But it was it's just a weird um, dynamic because that's funny that you got put into that because when I was around that age, <laughs> I didn't get put into ESL. Maybe the, I don't know why I don't think not. it would have made a difference. Yeah, I don't, it sounds like it, <laughs> it didn't really do much, but <laughs> not to knock on the ESL programs out there. I'm sure it's, I'm pretty sure now it's evolved. good programs, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe the schools that we went to at that time, yeah. it was like in development and it, it's, I mean, when we were at that age, it was what, like 20, no, 30 years ago now, right? 30 yeah. plus years ago. So it's kind of like, I would hope it's evolved and it's gotten better um, at, by now. <laughs> oh, and here's the kicker. <laughs> the ESL class, it's only one class in kindergarten. So after, Oh, that's it? You're done? Yeah, I think so. So after kindergarten, we were placed into the, the, the regular real, classes. The, the regular classes <laughs> with the regular kids. Yeah. The non-ESL. Non-ESL. Yeah. I remember, uh, well, one, I, didn't, I did not get put into... Um, in an ESL program. Again, I don't know if that was an error or anything, but I didn't know English. My parents didn't speak it at home. My dad, you know, he he did learn English and he spoke it relatively well because uh, he got his GED and all that stuff while he was working. But we never, I don't think we really spoke it at home because my mom doesn't speak it. We speak like a, a dialect uh, at home, a Chinese dialect. And so, I, you know, I joked with about like how I learned English mostly was through watching TV. Yeah. And that's where I absorbed a lot of that info. But I, I do remember when I was in kindergarten, same same kind of experience that you had. I really had no clue what the heck was going on. <laughs> kids would be trying to talk to me. And, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of communicate through like how you play. right? Yeah. So you're just playing and you're sharing toys and stuff like yeah. that. But that was it. But the teacher otherwise, I, I just remember her being really nice. 
Like she didn't yell or Same. anything. But <laughs> Same. I'm like, oh, you're like this like. But then, yeah, I kid. didn't understand her, yeah. so I, I don't know. Yeah, but she sent off a good vibe, yeah, right? Yeah. So that was the it. Good vibe. And we baked cookies. And, and we stuff. made like finger paintings. <laughs> yeah. and... I guess there's not much um, communication that's needed there. Yeah. Here, take some paint in, in your hands and just place it I on just remember making construction these, like, paper. Um, like the turkey. The turkey. With the hand. Yeah, you yeah. draw it. And yeah. yeah. And we would bake cookies. We would have nap time. It's so different now from what I hear, though, like what kindergarten is like. They have to prep them and start taking tests and stuff now. <laughs> oh, no. But anyways, um, I, I do remember very vividly that there was a language barrier. And it took some time before I started really um, absorbing the language. You know, and thankfully, as when you're a kid and you're young, you yeah. learn things very quickly. You're like a little sponge. You are. and But I do remember prior to me knowing how to speak, you know, English fluently and for myself, there there was a very traumatizing experience. I've told you this story before, but I'll share it here on the podcast. Um, I think it was in kindergarten. Yeah, it probably was kindergarten where it was lunchtime. And I mean, I don't know how things work, right? Yeah. I just saw kids lining up for in, to get lunch, right? I smelled food. I'm like, oh, it's food time, right? Yeah. So I get in line and then um, I make, you know, I'm waiting and I'm just kind of following the flow of the line and I get to the front and then the lunch lady, I still remember her very vividly. She had curly hair. Uh, she had like the the net, right? The mm -hmm. hair net and everything. She had glasses and she was, um, she always, had, she had like a little sour looking face, right? She just, <laughs> she just didn't look very happy. And she's like, ticket. And I was like, uh, I, I didn't know what, what, what she was maybe asking for but I remember those little tickets the lunch tickets that you used to yeah, get yeah so so the system is we went to LAUSD so yeah. it's a public school system yeah so you would pre-purchase these tickets um ahead of time it's like yep. a meal package right and you have to, each day uh you get you, two meals I think right one for breakfast one, one for, for lunch. lunch yeah and a blue and a freaking yellow, yellow one. one yeah oh so gosh. you would give the ticket and it would have the the dates on it yes. there's the date on it and you give the ticket yes so i didn't know i guess i needed a lunch ticket but i didn't have one because i i guess my parents didn't know that that's what you're what you needed yeah and so the lady just looked at me where's your ticket why don't you have your ticket she started scolding me like yelling at me straight up and i'm just like this little kid and i started crying I remember crying and then I just, I walked to the back. I left the line and I was just crying and I, I didn't get to eat lunch that day. <laughs> and then I think when I got home, that's when I told my parents because I guess my parents just assumed like, oh, they'll go to school. And then after we pick them up, that's when they'll get lunch because mm -hmm. they didn't know that you're supposed to get these meal tickets, right? Yeah. Um, and then they would just cook food for me and stuff. But I, I remember that that happened. I was just so traumatized. And that sucks, you know, because I yeah. couldn't articulate myself. And then it didn't, I mean, in this example, the staff member wasn't very nice to me either. Yeah. Um, they were just frustrated that I couldn't speak English with uh, versus like empathizing. And hey, maybe I need to help this kid. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think a little empathy would have gone a long way. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of the school's fault too for not having like sent um, a checklist of what is needed. 
And even if they did, though, I just don't know if there was a whole lot of like support for non-English speakers at that yeah, time. Yeah, your parents probably just threw away the letter. Like, what, what they didn't they know what it, it was. Yeah. You know, and we were fortunate because your mom speak, spoke some English. My dad spoke some English. So they would have probably been fine with the letter. But I'm, I'm thinking about other like immigrants that maybe migrate here. They have absolutely no idea about the language. Yeah. What's the letter going to do? Yeah, you know, that's like true. nothing. That's true. Um, but these are just kind of the learning things that the um, growing pains, as it were, right, of kind of figuring out and navigating how things worked here in the U.S. Uh, because it's all brand new. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember as a kid, I always had to um, read letters for my parents and oh translate. Oh, yeah. Translate everywhere or go ask for this, go ask for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like if there's a, a question on like the bill is wrong on the phone bill. I remember uh, those AT&T phone bills, you know. They were wrong a lot, actually. <laughs> They're I remember, still wrong sometimes now. With I, the, I remember calling for those phone bills quite a bit. Yeah. And then it's like your parents would just like hand you the phone or yeah. <laughs> hand you the letter or the bill and be like, check this call them and talk to them and they're like telling you something say this while you're on the phone with the representative and it's just oh my gosh like yeah. just hilarious or suddenly they're talking and they shove the phone at you yeah. oh listen what are they saying yeah tell me translate i'm like mom uh, or <laughs> i'm on the phone right now i'm trying to talk to this person yeah. and you're like freaking like a third grader <laughs> <laughs> because it's true like they don't know how to speak right like so it's it's it gets thrown on you early mm -hmm. on in life um and i remember it, it kind of taught you some like grown-up stuff early on so yeah yeah uh i, I that happened for sure or like i used to call i'm calling on behalf of blank, <laughs> blank yeah, your parents name yeah yeah i think other people can relate like, to that i was like 10 <laughs> yeah exactly and you you that was you just, just that's what you were supposed to do you had to do it yeah you didn't know and and you're trying to help the family out and and uh while also navigating through other parts of the education system <laughs> which i'm laughing because um i'm laughing because you're saying education system yeah i didn't even know i had to do the sats that yeah. was so sad <laughs> you and me both i don't know if it was just our schools or where we grew up or it's like they didn't really talk about it much yeah. Is that weird? I don't know. I I think they just assumed that People. most of us were not going to go to college. <laughs> they didn't even bother. It's like, why tell them about college when you, they, you they're not going to make it anyways, right? Yeah. I, you know, it's sad, but that's kind of the feeling that you got, right? Because yeah. uh, later we found out that the graduation rate was low. very low. Less than half of the students yeah, would graduate. We had one of the highest like um, teen pregnancy dropouts yeah. in the the school system we, we just didn't go to a very good school yeah i mean and there was a lot of like gangs and yeah. um, just like a lot of violence i'm pretty sure it's improved a lot now it has for sure it has for sure but it just it depends that's why i'm wondering is it like was it an immigrant type of situation or was it more of just the school system itself or yeah. the the location where we but grew up? you know what it's probably a combination a lot of um immigrants to this country a lot they of them, know. they don't know, one. And number two, they can't afford to send their kids to a better high school because the areas they live in sure. dictates on where they sent us to school. Yeah. Right. A lot of times, uh, you know, because people have that misconception. I hear it sometimes, too, where they just assume that 
Asians are all rich, like you were saying earlier, or like um, they come from like better economic backgrounds. But if you're coming to a new country, in some cases, if they're immigrating here because they're trying to escape poverty or they're trying to escape a war or a dictatorship or whatever it is, a lot of times they come here with nothing. Yeah. So they're literally starting from zero, right? Yep. And so starting from zero means, and, and also you don't have any skills that translate here in a lot of times, yeah. uh, at least not white collar skills, right? Yeah. It's probably going to be blue collar manual labor work. Because you can't speak the language. Right, because you can't speak the language. You can't even get a job as a cashier at the market. Yeah, exactly. That would be considered a good job. I that remember would, my mom yeah. saying that, oh, I wish I knew more English so I could be a cashier at yeah. a grocery store. Because, because she didn't know English and she never, unfortunately, learned, um, she had to do like sweatshops instead. Sewing at a factory, getting paid pennies you know, for the war, hard work that she was doing. Yeah. But my point was that because of all those things, they don't even have the opportunity to seek for anything better for us. They yeah. just didn't know or they couldn't, um, they didn't have the resources to, to be able to do that. Yeah, and I think this is generally speaking. Um, yeah, it's not some, speaking for every situation. Some families, immigrant families, you know, the fact that they've immigrated to the country they're not a U.S. citizen. Right. They don't have rights. Like they don't, they can't, you know, apply for certain um, benefits, right? Mm -hmm. As if you would be able to receive if you were a citizen. Yeah, like they might have like other, like a... Like financial assistance, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or government assistance or programs, grants or yeah. programs, whatever their um, programs are available. You know, they just don't qualify because they're not U.S. citizens. So... They're in this country. They don't know the language. Um, they don't have the skills needed to get a basic job. And so, they don't know how things work. That's and they don't it. know how to navigate the Any system. Right? Right. And, and how are they supposed to teach us, right? Yeah. Their kids. And a lot of times they don't have friends or family here. There's, there's here, no network. There's no there's connections. No ne yeah, there's no connections. And <laughs> right. they would, you know, and it takes time to build, right? To find like... Um, like support groups and, and yeah. yeah, through, you know, church or whatever it is. That's why I think like things like Chinatowns or like a lot of those uh, organ like, you know, right. There's a Chinatown in every freaking part of the world. It's like they have these, um, I guess, microcosms. Is that what you would call them? I don't know. Like this specific area um, that that's meant to support the community like yeah. other immigrants kind of band together to kind of work together and kind of help each other yeah, out. figure things out together or the people that kind of figure it out help right, right, helps right. the ones that are just fresh yeah. to the country yeah, yeah exactly yeah so but it makes me sad though i the last i heard that you know um since uh, chinatown has grown so much here yeah in, in la, LA uh -huh. yeah and you know, it's different from what I remember. It's commercialized. It yeah, it's, it's very more, commercialized. Yeah. And it's become so expensive that it's like driving out all the the old um, immigrants that, you know. So it's getting gentrified. Yeah, it makes me sad. Mm -hmm. People that have lived here for like decades, right? Yeah, and now they don't know what to do. And it's not the same anymore, too. A lot of places, they're getting so modernized that yeah. you lose a lot of that cultural flavor, you know, to, to that what that's what made it special right yeah and all those like little mom and pop shops yeah exactly family-owned businesses mm -hmm. yep 
that you remember as a kid going through and all yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's difficult, right? I mean, if you start with nothing, you can't speak the language, you don't have the skills for a good job, um, there's no way you're going to be able to really pass on any sort of um, helpful knowledge or experiences to your kids who are growing up in this country to give them any sort of guidance like, hey, this is probably what you need to do to set yourself up for success in the future. All they knew was you need to study, you need to go to school, right? So I understand why they harped on that so hard, yeah. right? Because that is what they were familiar with. They they equated in, you know, from their country too, where they grew up, is if you get a good education, that equals a good job. And a good job means a good life, mm-hmm. right? That you can at least pay, you know, sustain your yourself. Yeah. But I think um what they didn't understand, uh I'm not sure about what the school systems are like, you know, outside of the U.S., but, um, you know, getting good grades is not enough to get into the the school of your dreams or those really top schools here. It's not all academics. No, it's academics. Plus, you have to build (laughs) this impressive resume with full of experiences. Right. They want to see people um, that are well-rounded. Well-rounded. Um, time that they've put into like volunteering right community service they want to see that you're part of a lot of different organizations yeah yeah and um you have social skills and all of that stuff which you know i i don't think my parents really understood all they how how could they i know they 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 didn't yeah so their thing was just get good grades and they didn't want us to get you know, a, involved. a job or this or that because they're like, no, how would you be able to focus on on school if you're doing so many activities? In their mind, that was the only factor. They thought that that was the only factor that colleges or not colleges, but just like whatever are looking at, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the only way that the only measurement of, of success. Um, so it's like, oh, I want to join some sports or music or this or that. They didn't realize like that's also an equally important part of your college application. Yeah. Um, and because they didn't know that, we had to kind of figure that stuff out on our own. And like how you were joking about you didn't even know what an SAT was. Same here. Right. Uh, it's crazy. But like it's like you you just kind of hear it through the grapevine or through your friends. And I, when I found out what it was, it was in like junior year, 11th grade. So one year before you graduate high school and that's the year that you're supposed to take that exam that's supposed to determine you know which college you get into or which you know what your future is yeah (laughs) it's kind of crazy i saw people just studying for like Like, studying this giant book and like they were like um forming like um like groups and stuff too and they they were carrying around (laughs) flashcards i'm like what are these people doing yeah Yeah. well yeah exactly and then some kids were like oh i'm taking the preset i was what's the preset like what is that and they're like oh it's you know then they start explaining then it's like your eyes start opening like oh man am i supposed to sweating yeah i was supposed to do all of this stuff i remember like cramming for the sat because i didn't even know i was supposed to take it because a lot of people were studying the summer already and during the summer period so by the time they started school they had like a whole summer of studying (laughs) preparatory classes and and a little bit along the way yeah and you know i i know some people listening might be like laughing like what the heck how could you not know (laughs) i'm i'm gonna tell you it's like you don't know what you don't know and 
like I was the oldest in my oldest kid in my family, mm-hmm. the first one to kind of be raised here in the U.S. in amongst my family, and I have a you know a younger siblings, so I was kind of like the guinea pig, you know. I'm gonna be the first one to go through this process and kind of figure it out, stumble my way to move forward. And thankfully, I had some friends that had other, you know, older siblings that had been through this process. So I kind of gravitated towards those people and then learned from them, like, oh, you're actually supposed to do this. This is why this test is important. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff. Thankfully, because my parents emphasize education and academics so much that I was I did pay attention in school and I studied really hard, but I didn't know that there was this giant test that I'm supposed to take. (laughs) So at least I passed or not passed, but at least I did well, fairly well Mm -hmm. on the SATs just because (laughs) because of the foundation that I had built. Imagine if like I didn't do all of that or I didn't have that foundation and I got caught off guard at the end. And it's like, oh, well, this is going to determine which school you go to. But it's not even that. Every school, every system. Yeah. If you went to a Cal State, if you went to um, a UC, and then with or private, they all had different requirements, and they looked at different things. Just understanding that too. Yeah, and And what they're looking for, what you need to do. Yeah, and the reason why we didn't, well, at least for me, I didn't know that there was an SAT, uh, was because no one talked about it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And well, and then like even uh, uh, to take it a step further too, like um, you know how they had these like AP classes mm-hmm. and if you took those during your four years of high school, certain classes are supposed to help you and get you credit for college. And right? it looks it, good. It looks good on your application. Yeah. I didn't know all of that. Right. That's why I just took regular classes until it was like, oh, then you start hanging out with some people and they're like, uh, what classes are you taking? Oh, I'm taking these AP. What's an AP class? And yeah. then you kind of learn like, okay, maybe I should take this, right? Yeah. And then, and then you, I, I remember, um, <laughs> I remember uh, the only reason why I started taking AP classes was because I had a couple of friends um, and I just wanted to be in the same class as them. Yeah, you just want to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to my counselor and I'm yeah. like, okay, I would like to change to all these right. AP classes. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, yes, they did have like a college counselor at our schools yeah um i i do remember that i did go in once um because that was kind of the time where everyone was scrambling right with applications and stuff and then Mm. they went into the to see the college counselor but the thing is i went into that um, meeting and literally the the counselor at that time was just like cool here's a bunch of brochures here you go go read them and that was it there was no follow up. And then I didn't know. I didn't know what the process was. I didn't know that they're supposed to kind of actually spend some time with you. Yeah. Like for an, I don't know, an hour or maybe a couple of meetings and to kind of help you figure out like where to go and whatnot. But like we were saying, it's a, I think maybe it's just a lack of uh, resources, a lack of, I don't know, something, a lack of care, a lack of empathy. I, <laughs> no, I'm sounding think, so bitter right now. I, like, <laughs> you know, I don't think that's, um, I think it's more of a, a lack of resources. Yeah. Um, just because you're so nice it's because i think you know our school was so populated there's it's like probably like a ratio there, of like 20 right. students there was, our schools were packed yeah, yeah it's a probably a ratio of like i don't know tw- 20 students per well actually per more staff, you think 
Yeah, probably, probably more. more. Was, I remember we they had to turn kids away because the school reached capacity. Yeah, right. And each class was pretty packed. Yeah, you used to have like thirty five, forty plus in 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 each class. It yeah, was crazy. It was crazy, and we were sitting like next to each other, <laughs> yeah, like the cramped. Desks so yeah, cramped. yeah. And um, I think th- that's the reason why there is too many of us, and two. Yeah, because there was only like a couple of counselor. I think it was only two really? for the whole school. We yeah. had in our school, it's like a couple thousand students. Yeah, it's not like you know a couple of hundred. No, we're talking about like a couple right. thousand students. There was only a small handful of, of counselors for sure. Oh. I do remember that. Yeah, and I think they're just they just can't keep track of us. They can't keep track, and it's it's hard. I mean, I don't want to put all the blame on on somebody else, right? Yeah, that's not absolutely. Fair and I think um, you know for smaller schools and schools that are better equipped right they they had um probably like a counselor for you know every x amount of students and they got to know their students but i think there are so many of us they can't they couldn't even put a a face to any of us right well and then like just having the knowledge to go and to to go and ask a college prep counselor or is that what they call them college counselor Guidance counselor, guidance, guidance counselor, yeah. Like just understanding that part of it is is another advantage, you know that that somebody that maybe has family members that have been through it before, or if you grew up here, right, you understand the systems more versus somebody that uh, came from a completely different system. They don't know. Like there's, you couldn't. Like I just remember as a kid, it was very hard for me to turn to my parents for advice on like how things worked here because they just they 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 were learning themselves you know Mm -hmm. they didn't know how to give you experience about like you know this is what you need to do yeah how right and you know they didn't know who to ask as well because all of their friends or their co-workers were on the same boat (laughs) exactly yeah so it was just a, a different time and you know, I think it, the the reason why we're sharing that part of it is just because I think people the people are probably still feel, facing similar challenges today that immigrate here, right? Absolutely. Um, and one can argue that you know technology makes things easier. Yes. But then you know what we have to also realize is that not everyone immigrating to America or to another country knows how to use technology. Because if you're talking about someone, you know, moving um, from uh, the village side to the city, they may n- never have, they may have never used technology mm-hmm. before. Yeah. That it's a learning curve in itself. Right. So I think we need, you know, so our point here is, um, you know, before you get annoyed at someone not knowing how to use like the credit card machine. Or not know, not being able to speak English. Even. Yeah. Because I remember like going to the, the supermarket and, you know, sometimes the, the panel would change. and The panel for what? The, like the credit card, oh. like the, the like where to like sign and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like sometimes, you know, with the, the change, you know, my parents, they, they take a little mm-hmm. longer, right? Because they have to kind of 
read like what what is it right and it takes them a little you know longer to register the words and especially if they change the word then they may not even know what it is yeah and you can tell because they probably just go by memorization yeah click here click there sometimes (laughs) yeah and you can tell the cashier or sometimes you know the people standing back of in back of us are getting annoyed because we're taking too long yeah you know and you know as a kid sometimes you felt embarrassed right, right right but um but as with, you get older yeah but with that being said um talking about words oh, and no. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what i'm talking about so my mom everywhere we went she would carry this electronic dictionary and whenever she didn't know a word she would pull out the dictionary and type it in because it, it was in Vietnamese. It, it would translate to Vietnamese what it right. meant, the word meant. And we never left anywhere without that dictionary. That's so funny. My mom had the same thing. She used it for a little bit and then she stopped. But that's so <laughs> smart though. Oh, those things were selling like crazy back yeah. then. Because uh, there was a big demand for it. It mm-hmm. made sense, right? It's it, it allowed people to at least get by. This with, was the pre-smartphone days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, to kind of shift things a little bit, I think thinking of of it from our shoes as the offspring of immigrant parents, um, another thing that I know you and I both have probably experienced or felt was you kind of feel like there's this obligation, there's this responsibility, right, that's on your shoulders. Like you kind of have to, you have to succeed. You have to make something of the opportunity that was given to you by your parents because of their sacrifice. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you ever felt that pressure, but I definitely did growing up and I still feel it now. Yeah. Today. Cause maybe less so, but no, I, I I mean, my parents, they have been very good about not guilting me, like making me feel guilty that they had to leave, you know, the, the country or, you know, the, the, they left the country to give uh, me a better opportunity uh, here in America. But, you know, part of me wants to repay them for it. You know, I, I want to be able to provide for them when they could no longer provide for themselves <clears throat> or give them better things because I, I see the hardship. Right that they had to endure to, you know, give me opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I think seeing that growing up is so powerful. Yeah. Right? You see the struggle, you see the sacrifice, you see um, a lot of times, you know, people treating them poorly because they don't speak English mm-hmm. or because they um, are not familiar with how things work here. Right. Yeah. And, and so when you see that, it's kind of like it creates this, feeling that you have like it's almost like your duty right that you have to make things happen and you have to uh, I mean for me it was kind of a good motivator mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I, I feel like if they if I didn't feel that sense of duty and obligation um, I might have been a lot more laxed <laughs> in a bad way right like maybe I wouldn't have pushed myself as hard you mm-hmm. know to to uh, bring out my own potential right so it's not just for them but yeah I definitely feel that as a um, a child of an immigrant, you naturally tend to feel that sense of duty. Yeah. And I think, you know, when growing up, um, my mom, she's very optimistic. She's always reminding me that 
you know, the reason why we moved to America is so you can have the opportunity um, and the sky is the, the limit, mm-hmm. right? So if, you know, whatever you desire, you can, you can get, you mm-hmm. can reach for, you know, and she, she knew, she knew how to, um, she knew what motivated you. Yeah. She knew what motivated me. She knew that, you know, even as a kid, it was weird. Like I would, um, open up magazines and, you know, cut out my favorite purses and paste them on the walls and like luxurious dresses. Like I love purses and dresses, even when I was like young, Uh like, and not just any, like I'm designer. Yeah. And, you know, she would always, um, she would take me to the mall when. So she saw the bouginess in you (laughs) and she played on that to motivate. She dangled the bouginess. Yeah, she kind of (laughs) did. And, and, you know, I I knew better. Like I wouldn't, I would never ask my parents for like a luxury good Mm -hmm. because I knew that, you know, they would feel bad that they couldn't afford to give it to me. Mm. Um, So, you know, we would go to the mall when my mom had time, but keep in mind to like, yeah, I think that's where I get my work ethic from too. Mm. My, when I was younger, my mom was working like six to seven days a week, like long hours. And I knew that wasn't what I wanted for myself, right? So if I didn't um, educate myself, that I may have been stuck in the same path they're stuck on. Right. But but as a motivator, when we she did have time, you know, we would go to the mall and on her days off, and she would take me to the storefront of, I don't know, Louis Vuitton, Chanel, whatever, um, where, wherever I was obsessed with at that time. And she would remind me that I can buy these for myself if I make it in life. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Well, it's, everybody's different, right? Everybody gets motivated <laughs> by the different things. I, so. I can't imagine your mom bringing you to one of those. <laughs> You're like, cool, that's cool. That's not going to motivate me at all. Yeah. Um, but mo- what motivated me for sure was like that sense of obligation and that uh, sense of duty and, you know, yeah, that for sure worked for me. But it wasn't like they tried to guilt me or anything. It was just I think my parents told a lot, bench- reminded me a lot when I was a kid <laughs> that it's kind of like, because they grew up in a very poor um, upbringing as well in farms and things like that. And they they told me stories of times when, you know, because they were so poor, they couldn't eat certain days, right, where they didn't have enough to eat. And or if the crop was bad, you know, like stuff like that. And it's like we would never thankfully have to deal with the, any of that. And so it's kind of like a reminder, like, look, you're given a special opportunity. You get to go to school, which they never got to go to beyond a certain grade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just reminding that just being in this country alone, it's a huge privilege already. Yeah. You have the, like you were saying, the sky's the limit. It's what you make it. Yeah. Right. So don't squander it. I guess this was their point. Yeah. It wasn't like you have to do it, to, you know, for anything or bring shame to your family or anything like that. But it was, it was a good reminder, like, hey, this is up to you, yeah. right? Whether you want to do something with it or not, but we hope you do something with it, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's your life, yeah. you know? And I think um, also my dad's, my dad's way of, you know, reminding us of how lucky we are is um, once in a while, like the some of the nuns in Vietnam would send us like videos from like the, 
Oh no. Yeah. Oh man. It's, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. From the orphanage that they yeah. they take care of, and you know they show us videos of like you know life. kids what life is really like there. Yeah. And how lucky we are, and you know, I remember my dad. As little as we had, you know, and my desire for the luxury goods. <laughs> and, you know, I'm always feeling the need to save up for that luxury item. Even when I was little. Yeah. I guess nothing much has changed now. But You like nice stuff. I do like nice stuff. But I, I think as I'm older, as I get older, it, that's not important to me. It's, it's, impo- it's not as important to me anymore. That's not what defines me. But I remember when I was younger, I felt like. I think I just I just wanted something, you know, to look luxurious. So when I'm walking in the mall, I don't get followed, right? I think it was more like a symbol to yourself. Yeah, right? but but still, it's like a, almost like um, uncomfortable or almost like embarrassing. It's like why am I the the one getting followed in the store? Like I'm like an outcast, uh-huh. right? And I think in my mind, if I can afford and wear all these luxury. Like that wouldn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if I looked like someone on, on TV, right? Like they wouldn't think that I'm going into the shop to steal something. Or window shop. Or, or, or just they're wasting their time. Yeah. Um, so I remember always saving up for something nice. And then, you know, my dad, he has a very good heart. He's always reminding us how lucky we are. And then he would show these videos. And then I would feel guilty. So he did guilt trip you. Kind of, I guess. And I would feel guilty and I would donate my little savings to and help. We're planning on using for the, the luxury, luxury goods. Yeah. And I would give it away. Wow. And I think that's where my, you know, giving side comes in. Yeah. Because you still donate today. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Back to that. Um, yeah. So I think it comes back to that because my dad always reminds me, even if you think you have very little, you're very lucky. There's always somebody that's got it worse worse right yeah and yeah and my mom is always reminding me that you can reach for the sky so i think it's like you know it's like a nice balance where i feel like i can achieve anything i put my mind to and then you know there's the the sweet side where i'm like okay if i can reach that limit i can give more you know yeah you you give and you help when you can yeah but i think especially as you your your position you're in position is what I meant to say to be able to give more. Yeah. All right. That hasn't stopped. Um, and I don't think it's going to stop. Right. Mm-hmm. We're always going to give back. And I think that's an important part of it. Cause I think, you know, I know we were talking about all this negative stuff in the beginning, but like there's a lot of good that happened too. There are a lot of supportive people. There are people that helped our families or, um, organizations that helped our families Absolutely. kind of yeah kind of figure things out people that came before us yeah. and kind of cr- lit a path for us to make things easier or more of transition right mm-hmm. and you know if if they didn't do all that we wouldn't be here today right and it's the same that we sometimes when i think about it it's like yeah i mean if you're in position to give or to help somebody um do, do it. it do it do it because you could be changing that person's life yeah. one small act could be the difference right between that family starving or being on the streets or maybe you help them in some way that you can't even fathom yet yeah you know yeah so it's kind of crazy um like when you <laughs> i don't know why i just thought of this but it was kind of funny i was thinking about like how 
like i don't know in your culture like with vietnamese but like in chinese culture um usually like if after we get married or whatnot like my mom actually wanted to live with us oh god because <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, that's like a traditional thing right like where if you get usually like if, if um you get married the youngest male son is supposed to take the parents with like um, not adopt but you know what i mean like <laughs> to live in the same household as them because that's just how people used to live they all kind of group together the families would all live together is that like that in vietnamese culture um or? you know if it is if it is yeah you're you're not the right person to be asking about if this. it is I'm, i'm not the right person to ask that but um i haven't heard yeah, that from my mom like the normal i think my mom would prefer us not to live together yeah I, <laughs> my mom would always try to find little ways to be like to try, bring it up yeah to try to bring it up and she always joked about it before we even got married was like oh so where are we going to be living i'm like we what are you talking about <laughs> mom and then i would make it very clear to her like mom it's very different you know i know that that's what you expect because that's how she was brought up that's how it was done in her family for the longest time um but out here in the west and in, in, in the u.s most people when they get married they're not living with their parents Mm-mm. right at least um or they could be living in close proximity, proximity but not in the same in the house same house i mean can you imagine oh my gosh. <laughs> drama and like craziness <laughs> Yeah. It's just it's just asking for like trouble, you know, like arguments and stuff. Because it's like you're newlywed, you're trying to navigate you need your this space. Dude. You're trying to navigate this marriage thing. Yeah, already there's already, enough tension there, right? And then for them to come in, and there's another like potential yeah. clash in personalities. It's like, yeah, yeah, and then you can't speak <laughs> openly because they're there. Yeah, I so. just thought that was funny. <clears throat> That's just another. <clears throat> it would probably make her miserable too. Yeah, it's just another. Did she thing think to deal about with. that? <laughs> no, I don't think she did. She, you know, I get it. Like she, she probably just wanted to be close with her her kids, right? Um, to be around people because right now, you know, they're she and my dad are living on their own in their house, yeah. and so it's, it's far enough away where we have our own independence and freedom and all that stuff. It's just a different space. Yeah. You know? But it's hard for her to fathom that. It took her a while before she kind of got over it and she realized, yeah, this is not happening. <laughs> this is not happening. So I don't know. Just thought that was interesting because that that's definitely like more of an immigrant like mentality or traditional old school kind of thing. Yeah. I like them at a distance. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I would I mean even I think most people right it's kind of like living with your in-laws is kind of weird right for the spouse yeah you know? it's weird and it's there's already this whole stigma right uh, yeah this drama that that's created yeah <laughs> I mean but there's some people that probably get along really well with their their in-laws but still it's just it's just you want when you're privacy. married you want privacy yeah you want to yeah. be on your own and and do your own thing yeah Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's like everyone lives differently. I can't tell your mom what different to do, different lifestyle, yeah. and she can't tell me what. You know, it, it creates already more tension. So right. I'm glad things worked out the way they did. Yeah, <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and I, I think I ta- I was thinking about this was because you know how we were talking about like how as immigrant kids too, you feel this obligation and this duty, um, not only to to make something of yourself or to succeed, but also like. 
I think you with it's not really spoken but it's almost kind of like you know that as like especially right now in our age right in our 30s as our parents get older and their health starts to decline right mm -hmm. we're going to be the ones that will most likely have to take care of them yeah you know and it's an unspoken thing but it's also like we know that chances are financially we're going to have to support them um, and on all those things and it puts some pressure on you as as kind of as the adult right yeah and if we decide to have our own kids you've got like pressure from different sides coming at you yeah that's a tough situation to be in right yeah not that it's anything to complain about but i'm just saying that that's what we can feel sometimes right yeah because in the asian culture i feel like it's less um, acceptable to put your parents in a home right um, it is more acceptable in the U.S. Yeah. or in Western culture. Yeah, which there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing I don't wrong think, with it. You know, right? As long as they're getting um, taken care of properly. Yeah, because there's some senior centers they're that are so really nice, nice luxurious. Like super luxury. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the Asian culture, we're expected to take care of our parents as they they age. And possibly live with you. And possibly See, live so with you. See, so it this. might still happen, babe. <laughs> or maybe not. You know, or but, live but, on the house next door. But or you know what? Proximity, though? like People you said. People are, are healthy these days. Like my my mom's my grandma, she's still living on her own. No help needed. More independent. That's not everybody though. That's not a majority of people. You do know that. Okay, right? I haven't thought about it that far <laughs> yet. Okay. You're like you're making me stressed yeah. out. Uh, I'm just trying, but to it's a reality, right? I yeah. mean, it's something that we have to think about, and it's going to be a part of our life as as we get older. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's where I always put that pressure on myself to have to make it in life and be financially stable enough to take on that responsibility. Because you know that that it can happen, right? It yeah, can. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's just specific to immigrant uh, situations right it's probably universal right mm -hmm. anybody everybody has aging parents you know yeah. and you know you're gonna have to take care of that and even if they don't live with you you're probably paying for their care yeah. you know at a facility or a senior center or whatever yeah you know but i think with me um the fact that i know that they sacrifice so much for us well for my brother and i I want to be able to provide them with a good life before they even get to that age, mm -hmm. before they even age to so the point. So there's urgency too. Yeah, before they age to the point where I can't, you know, take them traveling in more yeah. or, you know, freely go dine out or, you know, just right. little things, right? Yeah. Uh, I want them to be able to enjoy life before it gets to the stage where they can't or they don't, um, the mental capacity is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe that's what's different um, for some people. Not saying everybody feels that way. I know you and I agree on it, but it's it is like we do feel that sense of urgency because of what we've seen and how we were brought up, and um, it it pushes you. You know, it's a good and bad thing. Sometimes it can feel very overwhelming, but at the same time, it's also enjoyable, right? Mm -hmm. You want to do that for them. It's your way of kind of giving back and yeah, thanking them. Yeah, absolutely. So. Okay. Well, do you have any other things you want to add? Um, what would you say is your biggest lesson 
you know, kind of reflecting. This was kind of fun to talk about. I think it gave us an opportunity to just uh, think about, well, one, how fortunate we are. Um, but I think two is just thinking of it from the perspective of, I think for me, learning as I've gotten older to be able to not prejudge people so quickly uh, because I have been guilty of getting frustrated or um, getting annoyed when somebody, especially like an immigrant person that maybe they didn't, they didn't speak English very well and they're like holding up the line or they're taking longer to do something or they uh, don't know how to do something or and they're asking you, for help. And yeah. I, I'm just kind of like, I get frustrated. Yeah, or Why don't you speak English? Or sometimes thing, you know? like, um, and that's not right. You think, um, you know, sometimes and sometimes the the language barrier. Yeah. Sometimes you may think they're saying something offensive to you, but they don't mean it. Yeah. Like they don't, you know, maybe they don't know how to say it the most polite way. Yeah, language is a very different, interesting thing, right? Because mm-hmm. tonality has tonality. a lot to do with it. Pronunciation. Yeah, yeah or. You know, please, you know. Or the phrasing. Yeah, the phrasing. Yeah. yeah, like sometimes they don't understand that and and they may come off as they're rude. Right. But, but you know, they're just trying to piece together some some words. Yeah. To ho- and hoping, you know, you understand them, right? Right. And right. I, I see that with my parents. Like, no, they're not being rude to you. You know, like sometimes I can see like the how person. How it can come across. Yeah. yeah, how it comes across and the person receiving those like their 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 mood changes and the way you know they speak back to my parents like it changes you know they're not as nice or polite like they are to somebody you know in front of us or in back of us sure and you know sometimes you just just be a little bit more understanding and you know empathize with them you know it's not easy for them to open their mouth and try to piece together and hoping you understand them yeah yeah, I mean, we wanted to share this perspective because I think a lot of times there can be very negative, um, I don't know, negative connotations, especially like right now in this environment where the country I feel like is very divided. It almost feels like anti-immigrant in a way, right? Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it's like we're all humans. We're all, you know, we all want some of the same things. Yeah. Security, happiness, right? Love, um, just putting food on the table, right? Some of these basic things, but it's like when you don't understand or when you can't or don't know how to empathize with somebody, you can't envision or put yourself and imagine yourself in somebody else's shoes. You you let your emotions kind of dictate what happens. And a lot of times you make a snap judgment about somebody. You make a snap reaction about whatever happens. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair, you know? Yeah. I think... And this comes with age for sure. And I'm sure like when I was in my early 20s or something like that, I probably I'm not I wasn't definitely thinking like I am today where I've learned to be more patient with people um, before I get mad at somebody or before, you know, if somebody cuts me off in the freeway or whatever, uh, I don't jump at at being angry. You know, even though sometimes that may be a reaction, it's more like, hold on, maybe that person is dealing with something or Maybe this person comes from a specific background or whatever, right? Or maybe they're rushing to the hospital or, you know, you never know. Yeah, in that case, right? Right. But if they're from a cultural different background and I don't understand them, I shouldn't just assume stuff about them either. Yeah. You know? And I think um, 
traveling has helped, has helped with lot. this. It's a very humbling experience when you go to another country and you're lost. And let's say your Google Maps is not helping you, right? Because there's area, there's a lot of dead areas where maps don't help um, or it's not updated mm-hmm. and you're lost and you, and you only speak English and it's a, another country yeah. and you're asking for help. And, you know, when the help is given to you, you just feel so grateful. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's that was like the eye opener for us was yeah. you to to kind of reveal it's like if you really want to think about how an immigrant feels, just put your throw yourself into a different country where you don't know anything about the culture. Turn off your technology. Yeah, you don't know the language and see what happens. And try to navigate the city. And now and you're only there for a little bit, right? On a vacation. Imagine if you're trying to build your life <laughs> permanently there mm-hmm. and you know nothing yeah and this was what 20 30 years ago Smartphone. without the technologies internet or any of that stuff ex- yeah internet was How still hard dial would up be? Yeah. I, I mean i think about it sometimes i'm like dude i don't think i would be able to do it <laughs> i would be like this uh like just overwhelmed i don't know what to do yeah and it's <laughs> it's not even that it's like they're trying to navigate and they like in my parents' situation, they had two little kids that okay yeah, that have they have to keep too. alive and right, well, right, right. <laughs> right? On so top on top of that, so you know it's just such Imagine a scary the pressure they felt. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a scary time for them. I'm pretty yeah. sure, but they had to do what they had to do. Yeah, so it's just learning to be more empathetic, understanding, and definitely we recommend travel as always. Um, because it, it really opens your your perspective. You you definitely learn to appreciate people more, and you learn to just be more tolerant of other cultures. And I think when you understand people and you understand where they're coming from, mm-hmm. you're less like there's less friction. There's less miscommunications. You know what I mean? Yeah, we actually have a a top uh, an episode on travel and the things we learned. So if you haven't checked that out yet, please make sure you do. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, we've picked up a lot of lessons when we're traveling. For sure. Yeah. Okay. And with that, uh, I think that wraps up this episode. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, as always, make sure to subscribe and uh, follow us on our Instagram at Magnetic Mismatch. We also have a YouTube channel with the same handle. And of course, subscribe to uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Let us know what you think. And make sure to share our content with your family and friends. And also tune in every Thursday. That's when we release um, a new episode. Yep. Until then, guys. Bye. Have a great one. <laughs>